the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Hey, welcome, everybody. It is Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. It's the radio show. It's the podcast. Catch it everywhere. And the air band, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to tell everything. I I I was in the middle of some sweet riffs. We should have a. Can this be on YouTube Sundays? So yeah, no, we it? need to. We need to. I actually had a friend talk to me about YouTube, uh, doing a YouTube uh, yeah. podcast, and uh, so yeah, we should do that. Yeah, that's that, the the show that uh, that happens that people don't see. That, that's it. <laughs> then we'll really have to be careful with what we do. Hey, we need every precious second of our time, Pastor Sean, uh, because we've got a really important guest today. Yeah, our guest today is uh, Michael Ferris, uh, President and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. And he is amazing. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this conversation. I mean, he's a great legal mind, legal professor. Alliance Defending Freedom has been a huge player for almost 30 years. Issues like pro-life, uh, religious freedom, parental rights, issues that are really big on people's minds because they are under assault. And this group is involved in all kinds of cases. And in fact, most of the big cases you see, they're some, in some way they're involved in support or they're even lead attorneys. Yeah, and they do it pro bono. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It it, it really is a great. And, and Michael, tell us more about them. They're a, they're a great organization. We're about to join him via Zoom. It's Michael P. Ferris, President and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. You're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. We'll be right back with Michael Ferris. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life. 
I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. Well, I'm here with Michael Ferris. Mike, thank you so much for being with us. We are very, very grateful. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you. I just appreciate you and all your listeners in the beautiful area of Texas and around the world. What we were talking beforehand about, you spent quite a bit of time hunting in Bernie, Texas. Well, just north of Bernie, that's where I get my hunting license is at the Walmart in Bernie. I can tell you exactly <laughs> where to go. And, and uh, I've been to the Sonic a bunch of times. And so, yeah, I, 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 I'm a Bernie guy. You're like a local. Wow. Yeah, almost. <laughs> so, well, you are the president CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. And I've heard of your organization, but I had lunch with a friend, Bill Cox, and he had just been to like a conference that you guys put on or something where he was really exposed to your ministry. And he was fired up. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners uh, what Alliance Defending Freedom does? It's a great organization, but I think many people maybe don't know what it does. Sure. We are a 29-year-old Christian legal organization. We're the largest conservative or Christian legal organization in the world. We have a staff of about 400, uh, including almost 100 full-time attorneys. They're on staff. And then we have uh, allied attorneys that that work with us on a volunteer basis. Um, There are about 4,400 of of those as well. Uh, We do this all over the world, principally in in the United States. We have uh, uh, two major offices, one in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the office I'm in in the Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C. We also have a smaller office on Capitol Hill, but we do cases in five areas, right to life, religious freedom, freedom of speech, parental rights, and marriage and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the last example, all the transgender sports cases in the country that you hear about where guys are trying to play in girls' sports, we're doing every one of those cases. So we're trying to fight for girls to be able to have girls' sports truly as girls' sports. Um, but uh, some of the, our best-known cases are we argued and won the Masterpiece Cake Shop case in the Supreme Court. My um, general counsel, Kristen Wagner, uh, uh, argued that case. Uh, she's going to argue another one in this fall on, on a similar subject matter called 303 Creative. We were co-counsel with the state of Mississippi in the Dobbs case, and so uh, we helped them uh, on that case that resulted in the re- reversal of Roe versus Wade. Our legislative team also drafted the law for the legislators of Mississippi that set up that challenge. And we did hmm. it for the express purpose of trying to set up a challenge uh, to Roe versus Wade. And, you know, a lot of people were trying that, but God just, you know, did his uh, gracious, merciful, just loyal thing and, and uh, used our particular vehicle you know, we're not the only ones that deserve any credit for that. Lots of people deserve credit. Yeah. But we happen to be the ones that used our vehicle to get uh, to the point of reversing Roe versus Wade. Uh, it's huge. So we, yeah, we, we've been around a long time. We, we do this in, um, in the European Court of Human Rights. We do it in, uh, for example, the case that some of people probably heard about where a member of parliament in Norway was criminally prosecuted for tweeting out a Bible verse. Mm. to her own church saying, why are you sponsoring a gay bride parade? And the Bible verse simply was one of the traditional Bible verses that are associated with homosexuality. And, uh, and she was criminally prosecuted for that. We won 
at the trial court, but the, the, the Norway's government is appealing that. Mm. Prosecutors appealing that that uh, case, and so it's continuing. We have a big work in India as well, where the persecution against Christians is just phenomenally bad. Oh yeah. So we, uh, that's that's who you are. That's who we are. Yeah. Well, it's an incredible organization. Um, okay, I really want to talk to you about religious freedom, but before we get there, I, you're obviously a legal expert. I'd love to hear your take on Roe v. Wade, the, the overturning Roe v. Wade through Dobbs. Uh, Baron and I have covered it, but we aren't lawyers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Baron has done voiceover work, I think, as a lawyer, but that's pretty much it. Uh, so, w- what's your what's your thought? I mean, just from a lawyer's perspective on that amazing case and on what it means. Cause a lot of people, even Christian people are because of all the media barrage, they're a little bit up in our, they're a little bit confused as to, okay, how do I respond? Where do we go from here? And I, I think it's probably simpler than that. And you can probably help us break that down. Sure. The, the simplest way to say is the court put us back in the same position we were at in 1973. In 1973, every state could decide its own policy on the right to life vis-a-vis abortion or euthanasia or whatever. Um, and so we're back in that position. Um, a number of states have laws that were, are still on the books uh, from that era and, and are, are now enforceable. They were not enforceable because of Roe versus Wade, but they're now enforceable again. Mm. Number of laws in the me- number of states, I should say rather, in the meantime have passed pro-life laws with what were commonly called trigger provisions, which means once Roe was was reversed, these laws went into effect. They were triggered at that point. And like the state attorney general had to write an opinion saying that the eventuality, that the the triggering thing has happened and and therefore we're going to uh, implement this new law. And so there's another uh, group of states that have done that. And so we're at about 19 states that have pro-life laws, either current or there, some states have a, like a waiting period for the trigger law to come into place. So, so about 19 states are currently pro-life, and there's another six, eight, nine states, something of that nature, that people believe uh, realistically are going to become pro-life in the next year or so. Mm. So we're going to have a little more than half the nation have essentially pro-life laws of one shape or another, uh, in place in a little more than half the nation really pretty soon. Now, there are some adamantly pro-abortion states, uh, New York, California, Massachusetts, some others. And um, they have the current ability to do that. But our goal as an organization is not to rest until the right to life is protected in all 50 states. Mm. We're, we, you know, we're glad for the mechanism of federalism that gives us the opportunity, but we are of the position that the right to life should be protected in all 50 states and that the promise of the 14th Amendment that says no person shall be denied the right to life without due process of law should be applied to unborn persons as well. Yeah. That's the ultimate solution. And we're working toward that. It's not going to happen overnight, but we're working and we're going to keep at it until that is the reality. Well, it was a huge step in the right direction. And I know a whole lot of people celebrated that. And again, it, it didn't outlaw abortion. It simply declared that there wasn't really a constitutional right, and it pushed it back to the states. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Exactly right. 
Wow. Did you hear that, Baron? <laughs> okay. So there was another case that got overshadowed. Okay. And I really want to talk to you a little bit about this. Overshadowed by Roe v. Wade, obviously, in that same kind of time frame. And that was Kennedy v. Bremerton School District. Um, you know, for folks who are listening, maybe you heard stories about Coach Kennedy. He prayed at school. Were you guys involved in that case at all? Were you guys part of that or no? We were amicus in that case. Uh, our friends at First Liberty were lead counsel in that case. Okay. Uh, but we did file a friend of the court read and, and helped uh, with them with, uh, you know, various kinds of preparation and coordination. But but they were the leads in the case. How, what was the court's process in in they were basically upheld Coach Kennedy's right to just pray individually at the 50 yard line after games? What, talk us through that. Well, the the school district uh, took the position that the so-called separation of church and state, or more properly stated, the Establishment Clause, required them to avoid any connection whatsoever with anything that's religious. And the fact that he was praying on school property, uh, and he's a school employee, was enough in their mind. And they felt that they were required to take this egregious step. Now, that's been clear for a very long time, that they were not required to do so. Uh, What was important in the the case that uh, was decided was not only are they not required to do so, they may not do so. Mm. There's, you know, there are some things that fall within the permissive discretion of school districts. This is not one of them. Now, if he was praying in the classroom while the school kids were there and he's a teacher. That's a different story. Right. That's a part of his official duties. But but he was free, even though a school employee, even on uh, school property, to do lots of things there. And the school would not take action against him. And the reality is they would only take action against him for religious activities. And so praying on the 50-yard line was clearly a religious activity. He wasn't coercing anyone to join him. And so the court correctly said, that the key element for deciding when there's a violation of the establishment clause is, is there any coercion involved? Mm. As long as nobody's being coerced by the government to do something religious, then there should be no establishment clause violation. Now, in saying all that, the court effectively overruled a really bad prior decision called the Lemon case, um, officially called Lemon versus Kurtzman. And that case has been around since the 60s. And it's created all kinds of problems um, in many, many instances. Uh, and what the court technically said is we're not overruling it in this case. We have been ignoring it for a long time. And why haven't you lower courts been paying attention to the fact we've been ignoring it? And so they, they, they basically said history and coercion are the test. Go back and look at the original history of, of the of, of the Establishment Clause to find out what it means. Look at the history of the Free Exercise Clause. So it's an example of how a court decides something according to the original meaning of the Constitution. So this is a great decision in every respect. The, the substantive outcome for Coach Kennedy is great. Yeah. Getting rid of the lemon test is great. And, and adopting history and originalism as the correct test is double great. Yeah. It felt like it was a great ruling. And you mentioned something that is just, um, it's kind of a, a burr under the saddle. You mentioned separation of church and state. And, of course, 
we know that's not a phrase that's in the Constitution. That's from, uh, isn't it from the Federalist Papers or from a Jefferson letter? Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was writing a letter to the Attorney General on January 1st, 1903. He should have been watching the Rose Bowl game, but (laughs) he was writing a letter, and and, and his intent was okay. Uh, And and his intent was, he was saying, I've got these Baptists from Connecticut writing me this letter, and I want to take the occasion to explain my views on some things. And what he was effectively saying is, I'm standing by the time-honored position that we're not going to be involved in coercion. Right. That 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 uh, where there was a failure of separation of church and state is where uh, there were heresy laws in place and people were coerced to believe a particular doctrine. And Baptists were the staunch opponents of that. They were the ones that argued for religious liberty always. Right. And they and never just for themselves, but for everybody. And so he wanted to basically align himself with the historical Baptist position, right. which was not anti, you know, religious people affecting the government. It was the government usurping the power of God and saying, you must believe this or you must right. believe it. Right. So that's what he was about. And, you know, it, it, the phrasing was, you know, it's okay if you, if you play it in the right context, right. but people twisted it and perverted it. And it's come to mean something quite different than what Jefferson had in mind. Well, it seems we use almost exactly the opposite. It seems like the people who advocate this idea of separation of church and state as a constitutional idea are also always the people who advocate more and more state control and broader and broader state government. So it's while the state expands into every area of life, therefore now there's another area where in their interpretation, religion has to be off limits. And that just feels like it's opposite of his intent. Exactly. In fact, uh, if, if anybody ever took constitutional law from me, which I taught at Patrick Henry College for 17 years, um, day one, you learn this. The Constitution only binds the government. There are statutes and other kinds of laws that bind private people, but a, a private person or a pastor or a church or Facebook or Twitter, none of them can violate the First Amendment. Only the government can violate the First Amendment. And so to argue that a wow. pastor getting involved in politics is a violation of the establishment clause or a violation of separation of church and state is just ignorant out of the gate mm. because the constitution, any part of the constitution only applies to the government. And so when they use it to try to hush religious people, they're, they're just you know, uh, exhibiting the most extreme form of constitutional ignorance. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. I'm going to carry that one with me because I've shared with our people uh, as kind of a pastor. As a pastor, I'm I'm kind of a one issue voter. I mean, not really, but religious freedom for me is religious liberty and religious freedom is kind of the thing that, as a person who believes the gospel is the answer to all that the world is is you know inflicted with. That's my thing. I want religious freedom. So this is a big deal. Yeah. It, well, it really is, and it's. It's the freedom that brought us all of our freedoms. The, the idea is out there that the, the Enlightenment is what brought us religious liberty. Not true. Right. The Enlightenment was indifferent to religion. And indifferent people yep. don't go fight the wars to make these things happen. They don't pay with their lives. The people that won it were the um, home church, the, the dissenting church, the people that weren't getting along with the Anglicans in some cases, the Puritans in some cases, and the Catholics in some other cases. These were the ones that said, no, you can't coerce anybody into heaven. It doesn't work that right. way. 
accepting Jesus as your Savior and Lord yourself. And that individual responsibility is important. And the bishops can't serve our penalty in hell for us. So why should they get to tell us what we should believe? Yeah. And so that was the, the thread. It wasn't the Enlightenment at all. It was the people who believed in individual salvation and the necessity of interpreting the Bible itself and not what the church officials said. That's the crowd that gave us religious freedom. Yeah, and that's exactly right. That is exactly right. And uh, the distortion of that is one of the things that's so, so, you know, disturbing. Uh, I, one of the things I tell our people, I do understand because of our tax exempt status and things as a pastor, I, sh- I shouldn't be advocating for political parties or candidates. And I, I really don't. Uh, but speaking on moral issues, I think we have an obligation to. And that those blurry lines, I think, are always a problem. Well, I was going to say you, you're, you're, you are totally free to preach about any of the issues of today, whether the world calls them political or not. The IRS says you can't directly endorse a candidate or oppose a candidate. But, I mean, there's nothing to stop you from saying, go vote pro-life, go vote religious freedom. And here's a voter's guide over here that somebody else produces. Go look at their website and see who's pro-life. You can always do that. Now, there's some of us who believe that those current IRS regulations are unconstitutional. Mm. We'd like to challenge those, but the IRS has not let us pick the right kind of fight. And so we we have to have the IRS coming after somebody who's done it right. Uh, and when that happens someday, we'll get a chance to uh, argue, perhaps in the Supreme Court, that that has all been wrong from the beginning. Right. Well, Mike, thank you. You're with Alliance Defending Freedom. You obviously have a deep faith. I mean, in one interview, I heard you talk about actually being involved in pastoral ministry. Is that true? Yes, I uh, pastored a, a little Bible church uh, uh, a couple of times for a total of three years. And so, yeah, I, and I've been a church elder uh, for, well, basically since I was 24 years old, which is ridiculous, but that's the truth. And I'm I'm 70 now, which is, I don't know how the time flies. <laughs> Well, it comes through your faith, your genuineness, and your your passion for the mission. And so uh, we just, you know, we appreciate you being on. How can people find out more about Alliance Defending Freedom? How can they support? Maybe the people want to be a part and support. How can they do that? Same answer to both questions. Go to our website, which is adflegal.org. And if they go there, they'll get a chance to learn more about us, you know, explore around, click on a bunch of stuff. But you'll be given a chance to donate as, as well if you want. And we appreciate that because um, you know, last year we had 10,000 requests for legal help. The wow. year before we had 5,000 requests for legal help. Uh, and so we had a good gr- growth last year financially, but it wasn't the same rate of growth. God's people are hurting. And I keep telling our team, God's not giving us resources because he thinks we're cool. God's giving right. us resources because God's people are hurting, and he's called us to go help. And so if people want to help with that, we'd sure appreciate it. Well, Mike, thank you. You guys are doing the Lord's work, and you're doing important legal work, and we really appreciate it. As we talked earlier, I'm hoping that we were able to hook this up. I'd love to do this again, particularly on that topic of parental rights. There's a whole lot of things there that I think we can talk about for next time. So I'd love to be able to do that with you. Oh, great. Anybody from Bernie will always get me to see this. Awesome, awesome. I'll have Baron call you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Bye now. Pastor Sean, I saw your eyebrows go up big. When he said what? Well, when he started talking about how the only one that can violate the First Amendment right. is the government, it's yeah. like light bulbs started going off. I'd never heard anybody really say that. That makes 
perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The whole point is who can violate someone's free speech but the government? Yeah. Very, very powerful. And again, I'm looking forward to having him back. Uh, why, why is parental rights so important to you, Pastor Sean? Well, I just think there's a lot out there. And I think, you know, when you talk about certain issues that are, that are out right now, you know, you think of, you know, the conversation for a school board, you think of anti-racism based on critical race theory instead of kind of the unity ideas of Martin Luther King. You think of uh, trans rights and, and trans treatments being pushed in schools um, and parents being kind of stiff-armed and said, no, 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 we're here to protect your kids from you. Mm. Uh, that is a gross distortion. So I'd love to hear Michael's thoughts on that. You know, he founded an organization dedicated to parental rights. So I'd love to have a conversation with him and look forward to that. And we do as well, Pastor Sean, especially since you've got a mission trip coming up. We'll talk about that later, too. But you've got church on Sunday. Well, actually, this Sunday, we've got great services planned. It's going to be awesome. River City, 930, 1130. And Pastor Mike McGuire is going to be yeah. speaking. Uh, you know Mike. Mike does so many cool things around River City. And he's such a blessing to me. He's our executive pastor. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. And I know you will, too. 930, 1130, River City Community Church, right here on Lookout Road behind Rotoma Park, where all the horses are at. The Gospels happen every Sunday, River City. Pastor Sean? That's exactly right. Baron. Hey, thanks for listening and uh, hope you'll rate us and review the podcast because we hope this is a blessing to people and we want to spread the word. Uh, This is all about helping people find real life in Christ. Hey, God bless. Have a great week. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.